KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Hey, have you have you read the the book Titan yet? I have not read it. No. No. I I skimmed through a few pages. I just got it like the other day. Word? How would you get it? Uh so yeah, I got it I got it off of Amazon. Damn. That's mad fast. <laughs> Shout out to Amazon from <laughs> <laughs> KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. You're listening to the Parker Edison Project. There's something so special about seeing your friends succeed, especially if you're from where I'm from. I'm not from the hardest block, but I'm still too familiar with getting the news that so-and-so got locked up or they're down bad someplace. It's a blessing when we get to celebrate life victories, not even Olympic medals or million-dollar wins. Just finding someone you grew up with is living the kind of life they always wanted. I've known both of these guests 20-plus years, and from a young age, you could clearly see their endless potential. This episode is about some authors I respect and the experiences that inspired them in the process of writing. Each of my guests walk their own unique path to get where they are. Sometimes they weren't easy, but they're definitely interesting. I've known this first gentleman for what seems like ever. He's always been out of the box and ahead of the curve. Let me introduce you to one of my oldest friends. Who are you and where are you calling from? I'm uh, Francois Vigneault, and I'm calling from snowy Montreal, Quebec in Canada. And uh, I've been up here for, what, seven years or something like that. I'm originally from San Diego, or I grew up in San Diego. I was trying to do the math. I'm like, I think I've known you 30, more than 30 years now. I think so, yeah, because we did meet like in elementary school, like, I don't know, I was like 10 or something like that. So it was a long time ago. This is dope and it's fantastic to have the topic that we're talking about. The whole episode is about craftsmanship of authorhood and being a writer. Weirdly enough, that's what I do. I write and I draw comic books for a living. And that's what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. Spend my day telling stories, writing comic books, drawing comic books, all that kind of stuff. What's the first real book you remember reading and how old were you? Man, when I was a kid, I read really voraciously. I was in the Scholastic Book Club and they sent me all kinds of different stuff. But you know what's one that really influenced me that I did read pretty young was 1984 by George Orwell. I had gotten into fantasy books and science fiction, but I don't think I was prepared for what it was, you know? Like, I didn't think I was going to get such a convincing, dark look at, like, humanity. And, you know, like, I went on to read all of George Orwell other books, I think that that definitely had an influence on me uh, pretty early. That or Tiger Eyes by Judy Bloom. You take your pick. <laughs> it's interesting to think about when I was younger, because I knew you when I was younger, and you had a big influence on me. You were like my slightly older, but definitely much cooler brother. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, And you, you kind of turned me on to all kinds of stuff. I remember a book you turned me on to was um, 
the autobiography of Malcolm X. I remember I read that pretty early too. And uh, that also, you know, it's like you start building out your brain or whatever and fitting in the pieces of the puzzle. And it's interesting, those things that we read early on, right? Absolutely. As an adult, I look back and I'm like, wow, we were big readers. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Speaking of books, you just put out an amazing piece. It's a, a book called Titan. What's it about? Titan is my graphic novel that I did. It came out at the end of 2020. It's about a worker revolution set about 200 years in the future. It's set on the moon of Titan, and all the workers there have been modified so that they can work there. So they're all giants. You know, they're like eight, nine, 10 feet tall. But all their managers, all the security forces that like, make sure that there's order on the planet, everything. They all come from the earth. They're Terrans. They're like us. And so there's all these tensions between the Titan workers, the Terran management. Those tensions eventually end up exploding in the book. And the book is about two characters. One, Joao, who's the guy from the earth, and the other, Phoebe, who's a woman from Titan. And they're caught up in the middle of all these historical events, these things that are much bigger than they are, but they're also influencing the events. And so they're trying to survive, but maybe trying to make the world the better place at the same time. Heavy content for a graphic novel. During my lifetime, like the kind of stories that can be told through comic books, through graphic novels, whatever you want to call them, has totally transformed. And now you can kind of do anything with it, with the medium. And for me, I like that feeling in science fiction where it really reflects our hopes and dreams, like it holds up a mirror to our society, like the cracks and the problems that we have. And then maybe some of the solutions that we might be able to have, although the solutions are harder to write about than the problems. The problems are easier. They're easier to see. The solutions are tough. I, that's my next project is I want to get better at tell, talking about the solutions. Hmm. And I noticed the themes of uprisings and classism. Were you at all inspired by protests that were going on around that time? Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, things like Ferguson and Oscar Grant and stuff like that, that was all happening while I was working on the book. Not to be like, oh, it's ripped from the headlines, but honestly, some of the things in the book could have been happening uh, on the street in summer of 2020, in the fall of 2020, and maybe even today. In all honesty, I'd rather my book was like a weird kind of fantasy world that had nothing to do with reality than for it to be like so connected with the news. But I'm big into history. I'm big, in, I'm big into just world events and politics, economics, that kind of thing. So I also try and think about it like in the global context of like labor movements. Then, you know, the Arab Spring was happening, you know, like 10 years ago. The Green Movement in Iran, all these different things are happening all over the place. And then everything in the United States, you know, like for 200 years of or more of our history and everything like that. So. You know, it was Titan was my first real book, so it was like the first. I put a lot of my energy and a lot of my thoughts about all kinds of different stuff into it. And it, it definitely speaks to how you you're clearly at the pulse of something. I guess the way I look at it is you look back at history and there's all these cycles and repetitions and things like that. You know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, as Mark Twain, I think, said. And so you you hear those rhythms and rhymes of like things where you're like, oh, this reminds me of something that happened before, but it's a variation or a twist on it. I like that about science fiction, right? Because you, you can kind of imagine into the future and then our present becomes the past of the future. The same way that we're all affected by the past today, the future would theoretically be affected by what's going on right now. My favorite character was the music. Oh. The music. Yeah, it's kind of like the fifth Beatle. Um, <laughs> you essentially created a soundtrack that the reader hears in, in their head. How did the music list come about? 
that's hard to make work, right? Because it's a, as a graphic novel, it's a silent medium, right? Like, so you can't actually have like the power of the music be there on the page. Like music for me for a long time inspires a lot of my work. And I had had some little bit of music and some stories I had done before. But when I started doing Titan, I, I think that there was one song in particular that was the kernel of all that. The main character, he's from Brazil. I thought about this song called Terra from Quetano Veloso, a song that he wrote the first time he saw the photo of the Earth from space. Um, Quetano Veloso was actually in jail when he saw that photo for the first time because he was a political prisoner of like the military junta that ran Brazil in the 60s or 70s. I'm not an expert, so I won't remember the exact dates. The idea of like looking at the earth from space, but from inside of a jail cell was so complicated. All these ideas started popping off in my head about like what I could kind of do. So I was like, oh man, I like want that song to be in this book. And I thought, well, why don't I have like really music be really connected throughout the whole book? And so uh, each chapter is named after a song from the 20th or 21st century. The narrative reason that that exists in the book is that the two main characters, they are both fans of what they call folk music. And so for them, that's everything from like the blues to rock and roll to the rap. They consider all that one kind of music, like kind of the way you and I might be like, oh, classical. And that's like Bach and Beethoven and Debussy and everything. And it's like 500 more years of stuff. So they think about it all being the same thing. And that was that was the narrative reason why it was there was music in it, because that's the connection. That's one of the things that connects the two characters. It makes it a like a paper film. It's, it's very cinematic. Do you have any aspirations to, to direct or shoot films? Oh, man. Um, cinema is as big an influence on me as like literature, as comic books, graphic novels, as music. Like cinema is my, you know, it's very central to the way I perceive the world. I'd love to be in that art form. In other ways, sometimes I feel like it's too late. You know, it's like uh, I'm like a middle-aged guy and I feel like I'm also just getting started to have some sort of artistic control and mastery over this graphic novel medium that I've been working in, right? But I would love it. I'd be lying if I said I would love it if somebody called me and was like, hey, we want to do this film concept. We're so inspired by what you do. I'd be like, yes, let's do this. But, but at the same time, you know, it's like I'm probably going to concentrate on the on the comics, on the graphic novels. They're dope, dude. So listeners can look you up and find some of the stuff that we're talking about. Can you please just give them your name and maybe a website or something? My name is Francois Vigneault. It's F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. And the last name is V-I-G-N-E-A-U-L-T. And my website is just that with a little hyphen between those two words, .com. And they can find me there. As soon as you finish this episode, shoot over to Francois's website and get a copy of his newest work. It's flat out cinematic. And speaking of cinema, let's tap in with my guy King Dice for another segment of MMSM. His guest is exceptional if I do say so myself. Alrighty, I am your host, King Dice, social commentator, musician, and connoisseur of fine cheeseburgers, and this is Movies Millennials Should Movie. I'm going to have our guests introduce themselves. I am Mickey Vale. I am a hip-hop head, hip-hop artist, hip-hop lover, a playwright, and just an artist in general. It is a pleasure to have you on. Today we are talking about books that have been made into movies. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you that a book is always better. But I don't know if any show is long enough to settle that debate. Mickey, what do you think? It's debatable. I'm not 
I think some are. I think depending on what it is, some are. Some books are better. Sometimes a movie is a little better. I agree with that. I completely agree. But before we get into the movies, let's talk about you. I think I first saw you perform at the DIY Music and Fashion Fest in Pomona a while back. I saw Mickey Bell, the rapper. He said, why you always kicking serious rhymes? I replied, because we living in some serious times. My brother, either you blind or sniffing serious lines. If you can't see the lies, alive behind enemy lines. I'm keeping perfect time when I'm speaking at rhyme. Mind and, mind. and I know you do a lot more than just music. So can you tell us about starting in music? I started many, many moons ago. My brother was involved with uh, some crews in LA, um, Liquid Crew. Are you familiar with Liquid Alcoholics? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So he was involved with them. So he was, he had a studio and everything. And when we met, because we didn't grow up together, um, we met in the... (laughs) in the nightlife in Santa Barbara, California. When we met, he got me in the studio for the first time with Ono, the producer Ono, and and that was my first introduction into recording. Wow, and now you're doing something at San Diego's Old Globe Theater, right? Yeah, I'm a teaching artist at the Old Globe and I'm a commissioned playwright. So I, I just finished writing a play that's gonna be produced this summer in July. That's amazing. With a dope name to boot, I, I know where Mickey Bell. You did it. Not everybody knows. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but just know I, I am a movie fan. So there you go. Get it in. Um, let's talk about the movie. Uh, today's movie that I have for you is 1995's Devil in a Blue Dress. For Ezekiel Rollins, L.A. was a world of sunshine and shadows. The movie stars Denzel Washington, Jennifer Beals, Tom Sizemore, and Don Cheadle. It's a noir detective film set in L.A. in the late 40s following a man named Ezekiel Easy Rawlings, who is thrust into a life of a private investigator and must find a missing white woman in 1940s L.A. against the backdrop of racism, murder, and organized crime. It's based on Walter Mosley's book of the same name. And to be honest, let's just talk about dropping the ball. Like Hollywood's biggest ball drop is not creating an entire franchise based on this character. Netflix, listen to me. Make it happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mickey Bell, what do you have for us? Hands down, The Color Purple, favorite movie of all time. The Color Purple. An American story for the whole world. It's about life. It's about love. It's about us. I I don't watch a lot of movies. My attention span doesn't work like that. Right. That movie I have watched over and over and over and over again. And every time I watch it, I see something new or hear something new. It's just, it's amazing. It's, It's an amazing film. Wow, that's Steven Spielberg, Whoopi Goldberg. If I'm not mistaken, they're remaking that movie, The Color Purple. If you've never seen it, get in while the getting is good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it is customary that we rate our movies using emojis. So I'll go first. I'm going to give Devil in a Blue Dress five out of five detective emojis. I didn't even know we had detective emojis. That's what you're getting from me. Five out of five detective emojis. Ooh. How about The Color Purple? The Color Purple gets five out of five purple tulip emojis. <laughs> 
I love it. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Mickey, where can we keep up with you and the things that you're doing? Keep up with me at Mickey Bell, the MC, M-I-K-I-V-A-L-E-T-H-E-M-C. The MC stands for Master Creator. And I'm Mickey Bell, the MC on all the platforms. And look forward to seeing that play this summer. I'll be there. All right. My name is King Dice. This has been Movies Millennials Should Movie. Keep watching movies. Don't let cinema die. Stay tuned for more of the PEP. What's up, PEP fam? This is Kilsey Ray, editor of the Parker Edison Project. I want you to check out my show, Chris Sees the Internet, live Sundays at 7 p.m. on the Platform Collection page at YouTube. We talk about culture, art, tech, and do in-depth interviews with our favorite forward thinkers. Chris Sees the Internet, hosted by myself and OG Hip Hop Eddie, Sundays, 7 p.m. on YouTube, Platform Collection. Hello, this is Maya from Maya's Cookie San Diego. We are America's number one black-owned gourmet vegan cookie company. You can check us out on our social media at Maya's Cookie San Diego. And now back to the PEP. Welcome back. In 1999, the Napster streaming service launched, pioneering the concept of peer-to-peer audio file sharing. Everything changed after that. It destroyed the foothold monopolies had on artists' content. Over the past 20 years, we've seen its trickle-down effect on other mediums. TV stations are competing with YouTube, movie theaters with Netflix, and book companies were not exempt from these winds of change. The library's Dewey Decimal System is now competing with Audible and Spotify's extensive audiobook catalogs. These days, authors are quite similar to rap artists. They have to diligently monitor the internet to collect royalties for their works. They must find ways to market themselves to new audiences and keep a close eye on their content so their stuff isn't ripped off by desperate movie makers. My next guest enlightened me to another similarity. Authors need publishers like rappers need at record labels. Right off the bat, the listeners don't know, what's your name? I go by QJ Zephyr, artist, author, struggler in the, in the game, hustler, painter, and... Uh, I was born and raised right here in San Diego, California. You're probably the first person I knew who was into fashion, like literally had a clothing line, maybe 10th grade, and, and you had a, a t-shirt line named Gravy. That's you, crazy. Do you, do you remember that? It's crazy that you remember that, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. I, I remember Gravy, man. I remember busting out the prints and the shirts and doing the drawings and you know that was before photoshop so you know everything you did was uh you know kind of outlined and then uh, put in the cork and then you kind of you know uh, had to find somebody with a silk screen press and all that stuff and yeah we did we tried man we did our best you know it didn't last very long man but we we definitely got to it we definitely got to it there wasn't an internet there wasn't a, a place where you could just find how to do it in three steps like you had to really blaze your own path and find your own way through that you know you and i we lived through that that non-internet age um but i don't think 
people born after it could really even imagine what it was like, especially when it comes to art. Art, you know, for the longest time, you have to you have to go where it is to see it. There was a lot of legwork for us old cats, what we had to do to invest in the culture and to, and to engage and to participate, you know? Tell me, tell me about the Nine Orders saga. Growing up as an African-American, our own history is theoretical to some extent, especially when you go and you try to talk about it to the diaspora or to the culture at large, and you're met with a river of naysayers, like, no, Egyptians weren't black. No, you know, there weren't any free Amer uh, blacks in America ever. No, there was no black contributions to culture, you know, before uh, slavery. Are there any stories out there that don't include colonialism or the institutional racism that are about us? I wanted to write a book that spoke to our human origins. And so I, I chose to write a story based on the perspective of, of a young girl and an older man, different ethnicities, to try to push them through a world where they, they uncover mysteries and secrets about our past, where we came from, why we're here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really, you know, that was my story. That's the story I wanted to tell, kind of a, a theory of everything kind of book but making it fun and approachable and accessible and readable. Where does the Nine Order Saga take place? It takes place in, in our time, um, several years in the future. And by, and by that, I mean, like, literally, it could be, you know, five to ten years ahead from where we are now. This, this whole episode was going to be completely different. Like, I had a whole different uh, concept, but you and I, you know, we were chopping it up and... You were describing the experience that you were having as an author of color trying to land a publishing deal. Lord have mercy. Can you, can you kind of share some of those insights and kind of speak to that? You know how it is being a brother trying to find a job. Whoa. Real talk? <laughs> Did I get too real for a second? No, nah, I want it. I want to know. I've got an MFA. So I went over to China to teach uh, at an international school art history, AP art history, and studio art. I went over there. I got paid really well. It was great. But at some point, I needed to come back home. So I came on back. And I must have put in 250 applications over the course of a year. And I came, I came back to America to be closer to my, my aging mother and father. And um, I was basically unemployed for an entire year. And I, I, all that money that I saved in China and it just started to dwindle away. Trying to find a, a you know, writing deals analogous to that in the sense that there's a lot of talk about, you know, we need more people of color to write fiction books. You know, we need, we need that. But when it comes time to review someone's, you know, manuscript, that talk goes away. Someone says to you, there's no reader, reader base for that. Do you see what I'm saying? That's their justification. There's no, there's no reader base for that. I'm trying to create a market. Give me a chance. I think I can really do it. I know I can do it. In my computer saved probably about 300 rejection letters from literary agents that I will keep. And when I make it, and I will make it, I will print them all out and I will put them in frames and I will put them all around my office to remind myself Nothing great in this world comes into being without complication, without pushback. I, I respect literary agents, but it's been difficult. It's 
been difficult. You got this book coming out. How did you navigate a way around that problem? Very good question. Essentially, someone who knows me introduced me to someone who read the work and was so excited that he formed a division of his company that normally deals with music publishing uh, strictly to handle publishing my work. And I signed a deal with him for the first three books in this series, and we'll see how that pans out. You know, who knows what future has, but I can tell you that have somebody believe in you feels so good. And I know it's not the traditional route, but we're going to get the book out there. It's going to be in brick and mortar stores. It's going to be available as an as an EPUB on on all the major, you know, Apple. Amazon, you know, wherever you can buy an ebook, my book will be there. My book will be in Barnes and Noble. It'll be, it'll be there. So, I'm really happy about that. Shouts out to MDW Publishing, by the way. And the book is available at the NineOrders.com. Listeners, you might be listening to the start of the next big series, the next J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter, the next uh, Twin Tower, Lord of the Rings. Just in case, just in case they missed it. Tell me your name one more time. QJ Zephyr. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. QJ Zephyr. There's an endless magic at the end of a pen. One with the power to change the things we think and the way we think of them. Guests like Francois, Mickey, and QJ are intellectual innovators. Avant-garde daredevils telling stories they dream up while they're awake. I think it's awe-inspiring, literally awesome. In fact, I'm coining the phrase literarily awesome because that's what they are. I'm super interested to see the way their works blossom in the world. Do me a favor, go to my Twitter page at the PEP on KPBS and tell me what writer does it for you. I got one more wordsmith I want to put you on to. I caught his live show in Ontario late last year and he floored me. I'm trying to get him back here on the West Coast, but in the meantime, let me get you a little more familiar. What's your name and what city are you in? Peace, peace. It's your boy, Fillmore Green. Represent Chicago, West Side, one of rage. Fillmore is an, is an acronym, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Fillmore, Fillmore Green. The whole, my whole name is an acronym. P-H-I-L-M-O-R-E. Stands for Place Hatred and Instigating Last. Make Obstacles Real Effortless. And Green, G-R-E-E-N-E. It stands for grow righteously every day, expect nothing equal. You know what I mean? So if you place the haters and instigators last and then make your obstacles real easy, that means forward progress is everything. You can't look backwards in the race or the marathon. You look backwards while you're running, 10 times out of 10, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to stagnate yourself. Green with an E at the end, that means you teach yourself something new every day. And when you expect nothing equal, you can't go below. You can't be stagnant. You can only go up. Mm. Yeah, feel more green. That's something I live by. Bro, that that don't that don't surprise me at all, man. Cause uh, I, I was I was running through your catalog, and and the Chicago album is real dope, by the way, bro. Thank um, you, brother. Thank you. It's an impeccable project, man. Um, and it's it's wild, heavy with lyricism. What's your songwriting process like? Man, my songwriting process varies. I could I could make a cover art for a single or something on my phone and do the and do the song afterwards. I might see a movie scene and get inspired by the movie scene and, and record a record. I can't describe it. You know, it's like a warm feeling at the top of my head. Now, you know, you know how your body get that that electric feel. It, it happens, you know, whichever way it is. I know it. 
and I accept it and I just go to work. Mm. What do you remember about the, the track Time? Oh man, the track Time featuring Sky Zoo produced by my man Kenny Keys, man. Amazing. He was playing a bunch of beats for me. And when I first heard the track, I felt like I was listening to some off Illmatic. I sit on some beats for probably a year, six months, a year. But I sat on that one. And one day uh, when the pandemic had first hit the world, you know, I ordered some equipment <laughs> because I didn't know how long we were going to be in the crib. And I sent it to Sky Zoo, but I sent him a video, right? You know, he was coming off of surgery to, to you know, he had a polyp on his throat. You know, mm -hmm. he was, you know, very public with that. He was letting everybody know. And when I sent it to him, the video showing him the equipment, that song was playing in the background. You know how Scott talked, he was like, yeah, that, that beat is banging. <laughs> I was like, man, that's my man, Kenny Keys. You feel me? Like, you know, you want to hop on it? So I was like, you know, when I'm ready, I'll send it to you. Boom, boom, boom. When he got done with the surgery, I hit him and was like, you know, I still got that slot open on that beat. If you're in the space to record, I'll shoot it over to you. He did the verse. He sent it back later that day. I think that was one of the first verses he did fresh off the surgery. But that, mm -hmm. that's how that song came about. Oof. With no further ado, could you do me one more favor? Would you mind introducing the track? And I'm going to play it right now. Peace, peace. It's your boy, Fillmore Green. And you're now listening to Time, featuring Sky Zoo by Fillmore Green, produced by Kenny Keys. Salute to everybody rocking with me. Vibe to it. Yeah. To it live. Flashy with dice and they packing a knife I be OT tracking the flight Every show packed for the night They love you if you rapping it right My man flared with a tracking device Slumlords, rats and the mice They caught him so I'm packing a kite Commissaries never vary, never ask for the price This is life, we go to junkies when we ask for advice Shorty's youngest 12 brandishing pipes Used to the kickback So when you hear that click clack it'll damage your life Married to the game, shaking the rice Master the field, Montana, Tom Brady Paying it rice Come wrong, you paying the price Hit the morgue, stay in the night Cold chilling, laying on ice Every day it be a gamble, go and play with your life You only get one roll, ain't no playing it twice This is life I done seen enough up in this world To know ain't nothing worth more than time Nothing worth more than time Gotta keep your mind, don't chisel Do it from the heart and you'll be fine You'll be fine It took a lot of years just to get here Time It took a lot of years just to get here Time I don't got time He put his name on the affidavit Turn ghost if you got a statement Fans watching the movement They circulate in the pavement Fighting cases We've seen a lot through life phases I'm painting the picture well So these other rappers could trace it It's basic Maneuvers throughout the land of the faceless Shootouts, broad day Yellow tabs cover the cases Twelve pacing Jotting, knocking on doors Trying to get description of faces From every innocent patron Money brings jealousy And jealousy is hatred But you can have what he got too Gonna make it Hunger, pain, and jaded Lack of the motivation I'm driving these niggas crazy Strap up and embrace it Mayday The melee is within my rap pages Give me a mic and I take flight I rock stages It took years to make it To years in the making But once you there You gotta keep it sacred Time I done seen enough up in this world To know ain't nothing worth more than time Nothing worth more than time Gotta keep your mind Don't chisel Do it from the heart And you'll be fine You'll be fine It took a lot of years just to get here. 
game time get handed out to my men's on the stoop And the time it took them to catch it was quick as a loop And the judge was throwing it down, had a vision to prove Every minute he explained is a minute he lose Word that the time counting, take forever but worth it Like the old Pro Tools, we spent all that time bouncing Outcome perfect though, everyone heard it yo It always spin around, so keep all them circles closed I'm back with the murder flow, it hit like Mason Bethel It hit like waving hecklers, it be like I work them both Hybrid, time like tapping your Cody so he can chime in And all the words is mirror image with they alignment Peak the designing, dab a damn with the redefining Scenery got it, by whoever keeps it the flies <laughs> Yeah, you know what the feeling be Models on then I keep, Coronas with grenadine All part of the time, right? I done seen yeah. enough up in this world to know ain't nothing worth more than time Nothing worth more than time Gotta keep your mind on chisel, do it from the heart and you'll be fine be fine. It took a lot of years just to get here. Time. It took a lot of years just to get here. Time. It took a lot of years just to get here. Hurry up, I don't got time. Thanks for stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison, and the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit theparkeredisonproject.com or hit us on Instagram at the PE Project. My guy, Kurt Conan, is audio production manager. Lisa J. Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is associate general manager for content. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. KPBS On Demand is supported by... UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.